Okay, guys, listen up. Seltzer is all the rage these days, and now there's even hard seltzer. Speaking of which, have you tried Bud Light Seltzer? so good. It's seltzer with a hint of fruit flavor. And get this, it's only 100 calories, two grams of carbs, and less than one gram of sugar. Plus, it's gluten-free. It's perfect for when my friends are bugging me to have a drink with them, and I don't want hard alcohol. I can just have my Bud Light seltzer. Thank you very much. I'm obsessed with the black cherry, but it also comes in strawberry, lemon lime, and mango. I mean, make that sound better. I bet you want to try them all right now, right? This is making me extremely thirsty. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. You're now listening to The Jillian Michaels Show. Uh, hmm. You, you sent an opener. I did. I sent several, but you just picked one. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you should see what I sent her. It's like red pen. Hey, Jill, here's my ideas. And she's like, here's what I came up with. And I love it. I get it back. And it's like, oh, my one of my openers made it. It made the cut. Yeah. Which is actually good odds because we only do four. So Yeah, we only do four. We're not one and four. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Intro this. So I came across this article. I thought this was great. And you guys know that I'm such a hippie. Um, oh, God. I love it. Bottoms bumps. So peaceful. <laughs> uh, so... BuzzFeed is actually one of my favorite sites. I get all of my good news there, I'm embarrassed to say. No, it's hilarious. It's great. Uh, So I came across this article by a woman named Shannon Rosenberg. And it was 25 things that you do every day. 25 things you do every day that are secretly brave. And I picked some of my top five because I think that these are things that we don't necessarily think of as being brave. But definitely steps towards some self-love dude i think i think it's extremely i have to admit this is not crappy which is why i left it in and these are really these are actually incredibly courageous and i think the majority of people struggle with these things women especially which is why i like it a lot i thought we should bring attention to it so batum i'm gonna let you run with this thank you i'll probably make fun of you along the way these are my top five and i'll post a link on the on the podcast facebook page if you're interested in reading about the the other 20 (laughs) the other 20 we only have so much time and, you know, look at me. I'll just wander on. So anyway, back to it. Number okay. one, my number one, when you ask, for, when you oh, ask oh. someone for help, getting choked up, even though your ego is begging you not to. Oh. And I think that we've all been in situations where we need help. Oh, my God. But we just it's like, I got it. I got it. I can figure it out. I'm spread too thin. I think especially with your partner. What do you think that is? I do. I'm the worst at that. And you know what it does? It makes them feel incompetent makes them feel helpless it makes them feel like you don't trust them mm-hmm. it's the worst thing to do to them heidi complains all the time about that with me uh, i'm bad at it too and you know mike's always, he he offers but i have to just tell him and i i carry 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 until i explode yeah and that's not healthy no you know so in, <laughs> that's not that's good. not healthy when and my no one feels good all over the bedroom it's bad right yeah. one partner is exhausted and one yeah. feels like shit. Yeah. sorry yeah. So it takes a lot of bravery to admit your limitations and ask for help when you need it. And this can also be in the workplace. I know that a lot of times we want Ugh. our bosses, our coworkers to think we have it all together. Sometimes you need help. There's no I in team, people. That, that's, the, that's the theme for the course. That's the theme. I, I think it's a vulnerability thing, dude. I think it's like, A, you're right. You don't want to admit that you either don't have the answers or 
you feel ashamed when you're needy or like I was my dad always shamed me when I needed something. So like in my own therapy, my shrink kind of was like you made this sort of like unconscious agreement with yourself that you would never allow anyone to like hold things over your head or use things against you or you'd never be in that position of vulnerability again. And it's funny because the people I lean on are the people that I pay. Right. And, uh, you know, like Nicole, Cody, my housekeeper and I and Giancarlo and I, you know, we're business partners. And I'm like, these are the people that I can count on for anything. And yet I I wouldn't you know, I call Andy every now and again, but I wouldn't necessarily pick up the phone and be like, oh, my God, you know, Andy. Yes. But that's about it. And I got I got some good friends. And Heidi. And I bet you have more out there that would be happy to accept that call. And uh delighted to help you it's brutal though. you got to work on that so yeah, well, this is your your step not, one to be very brave. courageous you will be hmm. number two when you stick up for someone who's being picked on i do this you are good about this oh. you do you definitely give are. me a bad guy uh, to beat it's up on. extremely hard to go against the crowd even when it's for something you know is right yeah be extremely proud of yourself for this and we've We've all seen these videos, these like bystander bully videos. And, you know, even as small as two people in your office or a friend. You're right. Out. It's it's tricky when you feel like you may be penalized in some way for standing up for someone else. Yeah. That's really scary place to be. And what's that thing I did for the for Jeff Bezos's wife? The something bystander was for Amazon. Bystander revolution. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, and it was about bullying. The anti-bullying campaign. Yeah, it was about bullying. And I've always been really good at this, but only because I was bullied as a kid. I love, I mean, but this is historical for me. It's not bravery. It's, you know, it's cathartic. It's like, oh, give me a bully and just step aside. Mm-hmm. You know, which is funny because everyone, everyone was like, oh, Jillian Michaels is such a bully. Who doesn't really know anything about me? Because they would see me, you know, screaming at people that were overweight on Loser. But if you really watch the show, you know, like, I was screaming at them to try to get them like to overpower them into an accomplishment and use that technique only in very specific for specific reasons and specific situations. But honestly, I think there's nothing better than stopping uh, a a cycle of abuse when you can or, or defending someone. And I like with my kids, man, I, Ooh, I hammer that into them. Like, I don't know. I hope it works like with Lou. And she'll come home and say that this little girl didn't want to play with her or they said they wouldn't play with her. I'm like, I want you to remember how this feels. And the next time some kid asks you to play, dude, what do we say? And like, I always hammer that into her. I like that one, too. It's important. Number three, when you give yourself a compliment. Oh, I really like this one. It's extremely easy to be mean to yourself. It's a lot harder going against your insecurities and self-doubt to give yourself a reminder about why you love being you. Uh, I'm rich. That's not why you love being you. But it is, though. Okay, well, you're missing the point of this. So anyone else, (laughs) everyone else out there. I mean, I think that this is something, especially in the media today with all of these like body, anti-body shaming campaigns and all of these things like loving you for being you. But really, like, when was the last time you looked in the mirror? And I'm not talking about how you look necessarily, but looked in the mirror and really like loved something about yourself. 
Mm-hmm. It's hard. I love my No wallet. one wants to do it. Love my I love wallet. the fact that my body's resilient. Because I fall a lot, and I haven't broken too many bones. Oh, my God. It's like a, a grown-up blue ball. It really is. Dude, it's ri- I've watched it almost rip a toe off and keep going. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. A trail of it, blood behind it. It took two Band-Aids. It's like a grown-up blue ball. It, it falls down. It r- slams into things. Well, it, see, and... Blue ball's like a little baby giraffe, and this this thing is just the same way. She loves that about herself. Yeah. Or maybe you compliment yourself because you just stuck up for someone yeah. who was being picked on. Did a good job on something. I did a really great job on this pro- project that I was working on. I'm really proud of, you know, X, Y, or Z. I think yeah. it's really important. I agree. Number four, when you set boundaries and stick to them. Oh, this, this is, is hard. so hard. And it's a boundaries m- with other people. Exactly. That's a hard one. I loved this quote. So this quote oh was attached God. to it from Anna Taylor. It says, Ugh. love yourself to set boundaries. Your time and energy oh. are precious. And your money. You That's- get to choose how you use it. You teach people how to treat you by what you will and won't accept. Dude, this is so hard to do. I think it's the hardest one for me on your whole list. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, for me, it's always... Every time the check comes, every time, I always just get it. And my shrink's like, well, what would happen if you didn't just get it? I'm like, we'd be sitting there right now. We'd still be sitting there eight days later. And he's like, why don't you say, you know what, guys, let's split it. I'm like, because I'm me. And but it, it, it makes you feel taken advantage of. It makes you feel and I'm doing it all. It's my fault. I'm not setting a boundary right well you're teaching people how to treat you yeah you're you've set the standard yes. for this situation jill will take care of it jill Done. will pay for it jill's assistant will make the reservation mm-hmm. <laughs> jill's people will handle everything and i don't set boundaries you're right i and it's dude it's like it is it's a it's a, definitely a self-worth thing i think of like well i got i got it i'll get it i'll take care of it i got this i'll be the hero I'll pay for everything. I'll take care of everyone's problems. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the hard. It is so hard. And I think for women, especially, Ugh. I mean, we see this. Look, everybody has not just women, but especially women Say in the workplace no. and in relationships, oh because there's this fear of not being liked. Yeah, or for sure. she's such a bitch or she's so yes. difficult to work with. Or he's not going to want to date me. Self-worth. All of that. Value so, for sure. This doesn't have to be a major thing. Baby steps. Set a little boundary and stick to it. It's got to be baby steps next, because it is that hard. Your next dinner? I can't do it. You no. got to tell them. I can't. No. I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, think how brave you'll feel. Oh! All right. Last one. Okay. I think this is a good one, too. Go. When you decide to forgive yourself for a mistake you made in the past. Mistakes you've made in situations you feel you could have changed have the ability to haunt you for years if you let it. It takes so much courage to stop berating yourself about the past and accept things for what they are. Hmm. All right. What do you need to forgive yourself for, Tombster? <sighs> you know, I mean, I think some things that I've, I still carry some guilt over, past relationships or friendships mm-hmm. that didn't end okay. well, or maybe some indiscretions in my 20s that I'm not particular, not terrible, but like for me personally, I'm just not very proud of certain situations and some of my behaviors. Have a kid. That'll trump it all. Oh, God. Yeah. So but yeah. Screw up a kid. That'll, that's a, that's tops the list. But <laughs> you know, who you, who for. you were isn't who you are. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's really important to shed some of that. Learn from it. Yeah. Make decisions about how you're going to move forward. 
but let that old uh, shit go. Yeah. Yeah. Let it go. Nicole, anything you want to you want to air out? I've had a few you know, um it's a whore. Terrible decisions that I've made in the past few years. It's a whore, that's what it is. Um that I'm I'm learning, you know, especially when it happens to me now. When people ghost me or just stop what's, talking. What's ghosting? What's ghosting? Oh, God. That's like, another segment. Oh. Is this a millennial thing? No, it's like you're talking to someone yeah. and things are going really well. And then all of a sudden you just slowly, you can either do the fade out or the complete ghost where you just slowly stop talking to them or just never respond to a text or a call. That's the what I call the Hollywood no. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, love you. Mean it. Let's work together. No response. The Hollywood no. The Hollywood no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but in dating, huh? Ghosting. Mm-hmm. Ghosting. Yeah. And then, like, a relationship. I think it's really become more apparent in the, you know, we have texts and email and all of these ways ah. that you can be ghosted. You don't, you another don't answer person. calls. You don't respond on Facebook or Snapchat or text. Why not just, just say, like, I don't, I'm not into this? Well, you kind of want to leave that open just in oh. case. Oh, you're a tease. I, I yeah. also think it's about, you know, people don't always know how to address confrontation. Good point. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Good I just point. don't really, I don't know how to tell you. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. You know what? I've mean. done this. I've done this. We've all done it. And yeah, done you're us. right. I've done this. And I've done it to friends and I've done it. You're right. In I've relationships. done this. Like I had one friend that I decided had become, it just went through something and it brought out the worst in her and she became a pathological liar. Like, I started catching her in these, I mean, insane lies. Like, I'm selling my company for millions and millions of dollars. I'm best friends with the president of the United States. Like, I mean, like, uh, dude, like, insane. And I just was like, I can't, this person is having, like, a break from reality. Like, I can't deal with this anymore. And I just, I did. I just exited stage yeah. left, man. And sometimes that's the only way to do it. And, like, it's I not did. always. I couldn't, the, I didn't know how to be like, you've lost your mind. Like, right. Because I, I didn't know how to confront her on all of these lies. And they were just they just kept coming. And I got to a point like one of our friends, Andy, right? Andy got pregnant and we went to this event and, and um, that girl was there. Our friend was there. And I was like, you know, Andy's not here. I know you just you found out she's pregnant. Oh, I think I was the first to know. Like, I mean, I knew 15 seconds after she knew. And of course, none of that was true. And I just was like, OK, you, you're insane. You've lost your mind. And I, I didn't know how to, I was like, this stuff is so deep and it's so tied into her psychology. Like she's obviously fractured at such a right. deep egoic level that for me to be like, dude, let's, let's look at all these crazy, insane lies you're telling. I, it, I didn't think it would have gotten me anywhere. And I was like, whatever's going on with her is not something that I know how to handle. And I hate liars. You know how I feel about lying. Yeah. Lying and hypocrisy. I hate that. And I just, I ghosted it. I, bailed after years it went on for about a year and a half but at the end of a year and a half at like the 20th insane lie i was like i'm incapable of doing this anymore. yeah well and that's a special situation i mean sometimes those kinds of people like you can't rationalize with crazy yeah and so yeah. maybe that was the best way to just i had to ghost a guy oh god i still feel so bad about this <laughs> he smelled weird and it wasn't <laughs> we went on a few dates and he was really nice, and he was cute, and everything about him was like, he's kind of great. He just smelled weird, and not bad. I don't mean he had bad hygiene, but his pheromones, I found repellent. <laughs> and I and how do you tell someone that? There's nothing you could do about it. It was just his skin smell. Mm-mm. 
Yeah, I I ghosted my fair share of guys, and then after getting ghosted myself, I made it a New Year's resolution to try to be more upfront with people. And it's hard, but second date, I'm not seeing this going anywhere. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good example of being brave. Thank you. With your honesty. It is, because it is a really uncomfortable... Trying to bring it all back around. You know, it's a really uncomfortable conversation with people to have with someone, to tell them that you don't like them. You don't want to hurt someone's feelings. (sighs) Interesting. So... All right. I like that. Be brave. Forgive yourself for the old ghosts. Yeah. I forgive myself. Yeah, me too. Sorry, dude. That doesn't know why I ghosted him. You just smell bad. I like and it. that's it. That's good. Uh, I have to do a quick caveat. Oh. Um, so our next segment is actually going to be with Dr. Gail Salt, and it's about spoiled kids. How are your kids spoiled? How to unspoil your kids? And it is an old segment that I never got to pop into a show. So you're going to hear Fanucci just pop up in the, in the segment. She'll be there in segment two, and then she'll be gone in segment three. Because we're really orthodox about the chronology of our segments and making sure that you guys feel like this is all seamless. Yeah, tight ship. (laughs) Run a tight ship. Okay. Verydesk.com, the adjustable standing desk that sits on top of your existing desk. Models start at 275 bucks. It ships fully assembled. Why should you do this, you ask? Do you care about your health? Do you? Do you care about your posture? Do you want to burn more calories? You know that you do. How do I sound right now? Do I sound convincing? Well, I hope I am convincing you because standing instead of sitting is so much better for your body. Better for your digestion, better for your metabolism, better for your posture. I mean, do I need to be a cheese ball or do you get it? Go to verydesk.com now and check it out, dude. It takes three seconds to put this thing on your desk and go from sitting to standing. V-A-R-I-D-E-S-K dot com. Go now. So we have... uh we are so honored to have Dr. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gail Salt. She's That's a psychologist right. and... No! Uh, oh, nope. You blew it. Start again. No. I will do this. No, no, no. Give me no, one, I'm give me one more shot. One more shot. All right. Today, Gail, I'm so sorry. No, today, no, no, no. It happens all the time. <laughs> today, we have a special guest, Dr. Gail Salt. She's a psychiatrist, uh-huh. best-selling author and columnist, and she's here to tell us how to unspoil our kids. Gail, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm great. It's my pleasure to be with you. Uh, I want to just tell everybody I'm I'm a huge fan, and um, you've probably seen Gail on today's show. She has a columnist that she writes for Health. She's a best-selling author, uh, and she's just the bomb. And and we had a little segment that Michelle came across a while ago, and we've been holding off because we've been looking for an expert to help us with it, and mm-hmm. it was about unspoiling unspoiling your kids. And so there's a a statistic that says 88% of parents believe their kids are spoiled. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. Right. What are your thoughts on this? Well, my thoughts are twofold. Um, one is uh, look around. How many mm-hmm. adults would you say are spoiled? <laughs> um, you know, I'm just, uh, oh. you know, really, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's really difficult to get kids to do something because you told them something when you are modeling something different. So we're living, you know, at a time when a lot of people have a lot of entitlement and are used to things, you know, being sort of at their fingertips or, um, you know, and, and obviously I'm not talking about everybody. There are people who work 
their fingers to the bone and, you know, really struggle to make ends meet and absolutely. But, but there are a lot of people who do have a good amount of entitlement about what should be coming their way. And, you know, when you go through life in that way, it's really hard to get your children to be grateful and appreciative and um, hardworking, industrious, and, and not spoiled. So that's, I think, one thing that we all have to think about, that as a community, if the world at large is acting in a spoiled fashion, we're going to have trouble raising a generation of non-spoiled children. But I also think that in the attempt to really love our children and really be the best parents that we can be, we essentially overparent, and that means we don't want to see our children make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. We do everything to catch them before they fall. We do everything to tell them that they're special and wonderful in everything they do. Um, and it's not because we're, you know, idiots. It's because we really love our children. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that people often it's so hard to realize on a, on a micro level, minute to minute, that building resilience, that building frustration tolerance, that building the ability for delayed gratification are mm. absolutely key ingredients in being a happy and healthy person, and that when you give everything to your child and you prevent them from making mistakes and falling on their face and figuring out how to get up and struggling through things and having lousy times and having to really work hard and sometimes not having it work out anyway, you are denying them the ability to develop those very important skills, not to mention that no one loves having a spoiled child. Mm. I have a question for you because, first of all, you brought up something really interesting. This has been a huge – my partner and I, we never fight, right? We don't fight about money. We don't fight about we, – we get along so well. The minute we had kids, it is the only thing we yeah. fight about. Our yeah. parenting styles are so different. Yeah, and, that's hard, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, I can't even tell you. And so, you know, we fight about this because I always feel like she spoils the kids. And she's <laughs> – and and the irony though here is that you mentioned modeling and I was like, well the one who's impatient and the one who's like, Why isn't it now? How come you know, that has this constant um assumption that there you know, why is there traffic right now? This is crazy and I'm like, this is insane. It's ten thirty on a Wednesday. Why am I in the car for an hour? Like, that's all me. That's all me. Oh my gosh, the internet is taking too long to boot up. Ugh, my Are you saying you're a spoiled brat? Right. Well, right. you know what I realize? I'm like, this is definitely like the lack of patience and the feeling of like, how come it's not seamless? Why isn't it like X, right. Y, and Z? That's definitely, that part's right. definitely coming from me, which so, is something you know, I never thought about before. Not, not because you're a bad person because you're used to being able to have these things and because, you know, you're expressing how you feel, but right they hear you even if you say to them well you have to be able to wait for that they're hearing you say i don't have to i mean why should i have to wait for that and they absorb it even if it's you know so you can never tell them to do things that they aren't watching happen to some degree so it's hard because often what parenting ends up meaning is having to work sometimes on our own behavior as you're as you're pointing out and um and and, but also like for your partner not being able to um know what's in it for the kids and in it for her in 
in to some degree what seems like the short-term suffering. So if mm. she really believed, you know, down to her kitschkos, you know, that yeah. she, by, by saying, you know, no, or, you know, you can't, yeah, you're going to cry, no, it's miserable, or, mm. and, and maybe they really are miserable for a little while, that actually she is helping them to be able to later when there are things that they can't get, won't have, lose, um, are thrown a curveball, because that is life, that they will be stronger and able to handle it and not fall apart as adults, which is actually what I see, right, is kids who are going off to college or going off to jobs and, like, really falling apart and coming unglued. They don't feel like they have the coping tools. Can I ask you this? Because this is something that she's been working on in her therapy and that we've been working on in our couples therapy. And I I find that, like, when I look back to kids that were raised in the 70s and 80s, and it's kind of a joke, right? Like, you would sit in the front seat and half the time you didn't have your seatbelt on. You know, you might be on the back of your dad's motorcycle. You didn't have a helmet on. Right. You know, you'd be out all day playing and nobody knew where the hell you were. Right. And it, so I think part of it, I'm wondering if there isn't this massive backlash from these Xers and the the later end millennials where then they like turn around and overprotect and overparent and also with her you know she felt like and there was okay so like my friends kids will walk out of the room when they're talking to them you know they won't get off their ipad to greet an adult Mm -hmm. they you know they're they're rude they're dismissive they don't say thank you they don't say please and my friends all go oh my god if i did that my mom would have you know whacked me on the back my mom would have done x y or z right and i wonder and i find like with heidi when she was a kid and her mom would give her something to eat, it would be like, shut up and eat it. You're eating it. Now right. my son will be like, I don't want that. Right. No. And, I, and I'll be like, dude, you asked for this. Right. So it's, it, it is you're alluding to all the things that are at work here, right? There's, there always is the pendulum swinging. Because, yes, that's what I feel like is because, happening well, in my house. Well, because kids say, you know, I didn't like that, so I'm going to do it differently. Yes. And what that means is you do it differently and you make your own mistakes. Interesting. So it's just a right. different set of, right. of problems, and it's really hard to find. There is no perfect, obviously, and I don't want to imply there's one way to parent because there isn't. There right. really are many ways to parent. But, but studies have shown, right, that authoritarian parenting, which is you will eat it because I said so, um, is actually not that effective. Uh And permissive parenting, which is, you know, oh, you don't like what I made for dinner. Let me make 10 other dinners. That would be Heidi. That would be Heidi. That also is not very effective. But what is most effective style of parenting is the authoritative style of parenting, which is it's dinner. Um, I've made you dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the dinner, and um, I expect you to eat some of it. If you don't love this dinner, okay. Um, you know, maybe you'll choose to eat less of it. Um, maybe you'll choose to have a healthy snack afterwards, mm-hmm. too. But um, but we're not making multiple dinners, and you know. I always got there's uh, there's so many children around the world who would love to have this food, and I was See, like, you got the guilt trip, and uh-huh. then you're gonna with your kid. Yeah, I don't you, know about the guilt trip. I don't think the I think saying because we have rules in this home, right. and that is the way life is. And you know, I don't have every rule, but here are the rules, and I do expect you to follow them. Mm-hmm. And the rule may be, uh, I, I hope it will be, to be perfectly honest, there will be no technical devices around at dinner and there will be pleases and thank yous and there will be uh, setting and clearing the table and 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 there will be the things that you know are basically building life skills i i find that it, it you know it's 
it's very hard for her when he's crying. And I and then I'm like, am I a monster? Because I'm like, he'll be fine. Like he's just pitching a fit because he yeah. knows it. It messes with your head, honey. Yeah. Or like he'll, you know, he everything is. I got a boo boo. Ow. And you know, there's right. nothing there. And I'm like, babe. And then I'm like, am I insensitive? Because you know, part of, I don't want to enable him to be right. like, I have a hangnail. Well, and you, then, know you know what? It might like, be really helpful when, <laughs> when, 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 first of all, when parents disagree and that that Ugh. does and you potentially undermine each other. And we are, and we are. We know it, and we're work, trying so, so hard, yeah, but we so are. Yeah, what's really helpful is you sit down and you 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 know she tries to tell you what it is that goes on inside her because she might not even know when he's crying. Like, what does she imagine? is the worst case scenario what is what is the thing that is 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 you know he will feel abandoned and lost in some yes. way that yes. she did Hurt. or something in what, pain. what is it? all yeah, of those things she, when she realizes it herself that maybe what she's saying out loud doesn't completely make sense that's that's right. what helps you make change right okay and um you know, so so sorting that out. But there are some things that one can just do day to day and kind of institute to help, um, you know, make for a less oil child. So one of the mm. big arenas is gratitude. Mm. It is. Um, it is appreciating what's there. So a lot of this, like, I don't even say hello, goodbye, who cares, do this for me, I said so, is, is a lack of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And honestly, um, you can't expect a child to have gratitude if you're not helping point out to them, and I don't mean in a guilt-inducing way, like they're starving children in Africa, but I mean mm-hmm. in an awareness sort of way of, of what there is to be grateful for. So even yeah. instituting things like, and this is true for adults, by the way, also, but um, instituting things like at dinner, you know, we're going to go around in a circle and everybody's going to say mm-hmm. what they feel grateful for today. Literally as simple as that. Mm-hmm. That start, You know, your child gets to hear what you feel grateful for in your life and can appreciate. It could be like, I had a wonderful cup of coffee this morning. It was so delicious. You know, like a small right. thing, which is important because grateful right. can't always be about, you know, our, right, our life is going fantastic. We got a new house or something. <laughs> it has to be appreciating the, the, the smaller things in life too mm-hmm. that that kind of um, behavioral very aware and cognitive style of raising the awareness of, of gratefulness is important actually it's really valuable for your mood and it's actually really valuable for your child's mood we, it, studies show that um, that the great being grateful acknowledging what you have to gra- be grateful for actually helps with mood over mm-hmm. time Interesting. That um, is so interesting. Resilience and empathy are the other two two biggies. Okay. Um, you you know, being an insensitive person, um, not only is it unappealing to be around, it, it makes for difficult relationships and, and by other people not wanting to be with you because you're unempathic, um, you don't have good relationships, which really impacts you. So, you know, part of this, like, you know, you're like the maid, so, like, tie my shoe or whatever right. that goes right. on, um, you know, that is a matter mm-hmm. of helping your child to imagine how it is to stand in the other person's shoes. And so, you know, when that kind of thing goes on, being able to say, hey, you know, um, you're treating me in a way that makes me feel, you know, not respected and, and unappreciated and um, like you think this is everybody's job 
but yours. Yeah. And uh, that's not good for either of us. So mm. I, I don't want you to do that. Kale, when um, would you start this, though? Because another fight that Heidi and I have is she's like, he's three. He doesn't understand what you're saying. Right. And so, he just turned three. You, you know, this isn't making yeah. any sense to him. Yeah. And I'm like, honey, you get. No, he doesn't. I'm like, <laughs> so it's true that some of the things I'm saying are obviously mm. conversations that you would be having with an older child. Okay. A three-year-old, though, can understand um, you can do it. Yes. You know? We just had no, that fight about his pants uh, you this know, morning. Right. Yep. No, not, not mommy do it. You do it. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and let me say that positive reinforcement always works better with small children, or actually any children, or people in general, right. than negative reinforcement. So um, it is the saying, you know, you can do it, which doesn't have to be like, you know, I said you do it, but just calm but firm. You you do it. Hold out till they do it, and then yay, right. you did it. Right. It's the positive reinforcement that keeps them wanting to do those kind, do the things that they can manage to do. Okay. So you you guys obviously have to agree on. We're what getting that there. Is. Like he he'll tell her, I, I want my water, and she'll get up, and I'm like, honey, sit down, and and you know I'm like, buddy, you go get your water. Yes. You know, and then she's like, stop treating me like a child. I'm like, but honey, you can get. It. Water. So you know what? Yeah, and then like the best favor you can do your child. Right. So go in a room. Okay, yeah. And, of and, course. And work out your list of things. Right. And then if someone's breaching it, either at that time let it go. Right. Or, okay. And then talk to okay. them later, later behind closed doors or have a signal. Okay. A, a hand signal that says, you know, maybe it's a big T for timeout. Like, oh, this <laughs> wasn't it. the way we were going to go with this. Um, right, I understand. So that you're not doing this in front of them, yeah. which is exactly what the, and you know something? It's like, I just get so, because I'm like, we have to be consistent. We have to be, and it's so hard for her. Yeah. And I and I try to get it, and I am so far from the perfect parent. Well, and, the, and it makes me, no I think, go. No one can be consistent yeah. all the time. Okay. It's just not possible. You're two different human beings. You Got never uh, marry your clone. You no, know? you don't. And, and, yeah. and so that's mm-hmm. okay. okay. It's just you're trying to, you know, more often than not be on a similar page. It doesn't have to be the same page, but similar enough that it doesn't seem like you're just constantly dissenting because especially for like young children, three-year-old, you know, yes, no, yes, no, it's, it's too much for them. They, they're just, they're just going to sit there. (laughs) Gil, I have a question for, for kids who are raised in a very wealthy um, household in Mm -hmm. a very wealthy community. Mm -hmm. um, How do you teach your children uh, that, you know, to be grateful and to understand that you know mm-hmm. not the whole world the lives that way. Yeah, sure. Um, well, mostly with your words um, okay. and and your actions. So you know you may have I don't know enough money to whatever fly a private jet, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that is that a good choice for your family? Is that a good choice for your kids? So. I see, you know, I, I mean, I, I see patients of various wealth levels, mm-hmm. and um, and I try to help them understand that just because they can buy it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they have to remember still they're modeling. Now, I'm not saying, so therefore, you know, behave like you're destitute and, you know, for the, for the purpose of your kids. Mm-hmm. But there is a happy medium where if you're constantly giving them what I would call the five-star treatment, 
because that's how you want to live. Right. Um, you know, where do they get to go for there? From there, where what, what do they get to appreciate yeah. oh later? Oh my gosh, it's so true. You know, it's every hotel is the best you know? hotel, the best everything. They've got nowhere to go from yeah. there, and you you really you, you can have wonderful times without doing those things or do them for the two of you if you're taking a vacation without your kids or something. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, yeah. obviously you can't live like you are, you know, in the Taj Mahal with everything and everything and expect there won't be some quality of spoiled. There there will be. Mm-hmm. But um, it's also hugely important to talk about giving back and to mm-hmm. behave in terms of giving back. So, you know, doing things with your kids that have to do with helping people who don't have what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be done in all kinds of ways, but participating meaningfully um, is, first of all, an important way to make it clear that, you know, not everybody lives like this. Yeah. Um, second of all, to talk mm-hmm. about what's really valuable, which is, you know, things like being kind mm-hmm. and being giving and being empathic and, and being strong um, and being, um, you know, and working hard and that, you know, um, you know, how whatever big you made your boobs or how, you know, like, yeah. how, uh, these things are not the important things. So you have to, you model that, you do things that have, are socially minded with them that mm-hmm. are not. Um, I got to be the chairman of Blah and Run the Fashion Show because that obviously is not going to model that for them. But right. but really, you know, how do you go about helping people who um, who need help? Hmm. And um, and you talk about gratitude that has to do with meaningful, as I said, the, you know, internal uh, relational things and not so much material things. But I would tell you that for people who really are uber wealthy, yeah. um, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's, I mean, you know, obviously to listeners who would love to have that challenge, yeah. I understand that. Um, but it but it is when, you know, when you live a lifestyle that is very lavish, it's 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 pretty hard not to have spoiled kids. It's funny because when mm-hmm. I was a kid, my dad actually had money, but we always flew coach. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time I was and I and we do we go to you know we go to homeless shelters, we give out blankets, yep. like she yep. gives her toys away, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And she's great about it. My son's not he doesn't get that yet, but my five year old is like totally gets it, always wants to share. She's totally on board. But we got on a plane once mm-hmm. to New York, and I wasn't paying for it. Um, a magazine gave me two first-class tickets to go to New York, and I took Lou with me. She's sitting in one of those three-class planes yeah. on American, right, on the like where the seat lays down. And yeah. you know, I flew coach as a kid, and I, I still to this day, I'm like, oh my god, I get like yeah. so excited. <laughs> and she goes, Mom, this isn't comfortable. And I, <laughs> I was like, what? And I and I asked, I asked the stewardess, I was like, do you have a seat in coach? And I was like, that we could use. And she's like, what? And I was like, do you have a seat in coach? And I took Lou back there, and I was like, we're going to sit in coach. And I was like, this is how people sit. Do you realize how lucky we are yeah. to sit in this seat? Yeah. I want you to understand. And yeah. we are two little butts sat in coach for six hours, and I just traded with two people. Oh and God. I, and because I, I was like, and my when I got off the plane, my partner was like, you, you really? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I'm glad you did that, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. I couldn't probably, believe when she it said that. It was a good that. move. I mean, couldn't it believe it. That's you know, how it starts. I, I, right I think... Um, you know, they are young, and yeah. so, of course, they're not going to innately get it. Um, but, you know, that your five-year-old is getting it, 
Your three-year-old's still so little. I know. He's, yeah. he's yeah, it's like I haven't started hammering him with that yet. But I I have one last question for you on this. And when is it like, because I'll be honest, I, I've met kids that are like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Like, it, does it get to a point where it's it's too late to kind yeah. of turn this around, where they, they are who they are and the damage is done? Well, I think um, obviously the later, the harder. You know, and, and less likely because what happens in adolescence is they turn much more to their peers. Um, that doesn't mean they're not listening to you, though. I, okay. I really want to, you know, accentuate the point that you still can absolutely make changes in your teenager. But peers really start to supersede parents in terms of, you know, who's really got their ear. So and um, they may not be hearing the best thing from their peers. Yeah. So it gets more difficult but i would say i mean look I, I i do psychotherapy on adults i i you know obviously i believe change continues to be very possible but you know the your you get your a lot of your core values and morals and the formation of you know your super ego your moral compass you know early right. and um so earlier is better okay. but if you arrive with a 15 year old and you go oh my goodness, what have I got here? Um, it is certainly not too late at all. And your frontal lobe, which is the the area that houses consequence and judgment, like if I do this today, what will happen tomorrow? That's not fully formed till you're in your mid-20s. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's, that's very encouraging. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, I don't know. It's not encouraging for me who apparently... <laughs> We can always change. We can always reevaluate our value system. That's that's always possible. And 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 often what drives Mm. things that maybe you at some point say, I don't like this about myself, um, are is something that's not conscious, you know, and and it's understanding and having insight into that that allows you to then say, Oh, okay, I I've really been operating based on this idea which I don't really hold anymore. Mm. So I and that is how one makes change. Dr. Saltz, you have been amazing and so gracious you. with your time. Thank and you. for those of you who want to know more about her books, her articles, you can go to drgailsaltz.com and that's G A I L S A L T Z.com and of course with a doctor in front of it. She's also on Twitter at Dr. Gail Saltz. And really quickly before I let you go, what is this thing the deal you just did with Tylenol? Yeah, um you know Tylenol uh, wanted to do a big study about families really? and where mm. are families today. And I think this will really interest you because they looked at a very large number of people for what is called the How We Family Study and found that the that tolerance, acceptance, uh, communication have really moved to the top of the list in terms of what families value and what they're trying to teach their children and the next generation, how important that is, and that no matter what constellation of family they are, all kinds of constellation, huge numbers in terms of family pride, that basically 95% of Americans say they really are proud of their family, and that 82% said they wouldn't change a thing. What? um, Come on! Wouldn't change change a thing about their family, about their family, to fit in with some norm, to fit in with some norm. Okay, okay. And, uh, and, And 
that's really important. I mean, it's 2015, and believe you me, that was not those numbers were not the case in you know 1950s, 60s, etc. Um, so I think that even though we talk a, a lot about needing to improve in the arena of tolerance and acceptance, and I think we, we there's still room for improvement, um, families are feeling a lot better than you might think. God, that's really encouraging. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. What a good note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Happy note to end on. Yeah. And, and um, Dr. Schultz, if they want to learn more about that study, can they also uh, learn more about that on, on your website? They can. Website they, can. As they, well? can um, they can go to howwefamily.com. Uh huh. Great. And they can actually, if they want, share their own family story and express you know, why they feel proud about their family. I, was like, oh. I know. I was Uh-oh. thinking, I'm going to keep my kids away from this. How long is this going to be around? <laughs> I'm just kidding. something good, I'm sure. You're amazing. Thank you Thank so, you. so much. Thank we you. really appreciate it, and we look forward to having you on again in the future. Love to. <laughs> awesome. Okay, guys, NASM, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, is looking for people who want to be an awesome personal trainer. You could wake up every day and do something you love. You could have a career that you're in control of. You could get paid to stay in shape and help other people change their lives. What could be better than that? You can set your own hours. You can work with athletes. You can do corporate wellness. Do what you love. Get paid for it. Be in control of your career. Plus, NASM guarantees that you will land a job as a personal trainer within 60 days of earning your CPT certification, or they will give you your money back guaranteed. Just go to MyUSATrainer.com for a free 14-day trial of their program online. It's fast. It's fun. Check it out. That's MyUSATrainer.com. Restrictions apply. So visit MyUSATrainer.com for details. USATrainer.com. Restrictions apply. So at myusatrainer.com for details. usatrainer.com. Restrictions apply. So at myusatrainer.com for details. usatrainer.com. Restrictions apply. So at myusatrainer.com for details. usatrainer.com. We have a question that came via email. Um, we weren't able to get the caller on the line, I but know. we thought that she had to take her kid to the dentist. It was a great oh, question. So good. So we got Schmander on the phone because she's she's gonna be so good at answering this. It was such a good question, so we we didn't want to abandon it. And she emailed it to us, and um and I, I think a lot of people will will relate to this. So and I, whether you were a step kid or you're a step parent, and it was. A question about that sort of dynamic. So, right. Autumn, do cool. the honors. So, uh, our friend has been with her boyfriend for three years, and he has a four-year-old daughter, and they share. He has shared custody with the mom. Yeah. Um, and the birth mom. The birth mom. Right. <laughs> um, so. And she says here that the four-year-old, lo- she's a really good eater, loves healthy foods, fruits, veggies, all of that, and she's having a problem because her boyfriend's feeding her junk. Um, uh, and so he sees, she sees him buying, you know, the processed chicken nuggets, uh, the mac and cheese, like the bad cereals, all the sugaries. And she's really trying to be a good example for eating for her. And also, you know, she's like, she loves, she loves the food. Um, but when she brings it up to her boyfriend, I guess the problem here is what's the boundary when it's not your child? Even though you are I see living this with, with her, so many people, yeah, who who are attempting to parent uh, their you know their significant other's kid, and 
it's it's really tough. I I mean, and Andy, I know you went through this yeah. with Jack. Yeah. And I, I thought you could kind of weigh in here. So for those of you who uh, who aren't to snuff on, on this, uh, Andy has an eight-year-old stepson um, named Jack. And you and Tate have been together like two years now? Yep. Yeah. So I thought maybe you could kind of weigh in because I know you went through this. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to answer. First of all, I feel like if you're in a relationship and both parties who are raising the kid have agreed that they're like in a step-parent situation, you're allowed to have a voice. I just don't feel like it can be selective. You either are a step-parent to that kid or you're not. And with you comes the values. I just don't feel like you can kind of select. It's confusing for everybody, including the kid. And so that said, my little guy is my stepkid, you know, and um, with that comes everything else except the hyphen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we had a situation where, you know, it was coming back to us that the food was not good and it was, there was a lot of visits to processed golden arches and Ugh. all kinds of stuff. And so we equipped him. We thought the best way was to, like, so, you know, we were getting online and doing the, this is pink slime. And Jamie Oliver was our, was our friend online. To go through all of that so that the kid had a voice, so that we weren't only the only parallel, you know, other team by saying don't. And obviously, I have no voice to be able to say to someone's parent, don't do this and don't do that. So we just made it really strict at home with what was, you know, treats. We're not... We're not really, really, really strict, but everything that's a treat is not going to be processed, refined junk, no soda, nothing like that. Whereas we know the other team has all that and is permitting it. So at least in our minds, we're like, if it's contained to the limited time he's there, that's satisfactory. But since we've equipped him, he uses the term edible oil. You know, he'll go, that's edible oil, and understands what it means, and then we'll also be like, that's processed, that's refined, like, gets it. And so we're just kind of like, do you want to? And now he's protesting. But when they're young, I don't know what that's like, because, you know, I came on the scene, and he's almost nine, Mm -hmm. so we have that advantage. But I just feel like, man... I'd be scared. Honestly, I got to say, I'd be scared to be like, do this or do that to the to the birth parent. But man, if it was in my house, I'd be like, no way. I, I control it with my wallet. Yeah. You know? See, I think she's trying to be respectful of that boundary, too. Of, maybe of... I, I wonder, I like I wonder because it's not the other parent either in this situation. It's the yeah. one she's dating. And I think that that gives her more authority. It's both yeah. parents. Talk to him. Oh, yeah. it's both. Okay. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I, no, but I just feel like it's got to be. It's got to be like. Listen. Can we all agree that this isn't? This, can we all agree that this isn't what we want for our kids? I mean, why? Why do? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sneeze in the background. If we agree, like you know, if we agree, like certain companies have this and that, it's kind of like almost saying, well, this is the research we know. So why? Why are we doing that? And I would give her, first of all, mad props for caring. You yeah. know? I mean, Agreed. that's that's a big deal because I was a stepkid and my, I, my, oh God, my poor stepmom. I mean, now years have progressed, but, you know, I remember she said to me, we hated each other. And she said to me after, you know, subsequently divorcing my father and us kind of co-parenting her two kids, my half-brother and sister, she was one day she was like, Jill, you know, I'm so sorry for everything that ever happened. And, you know, the age you are now, I was 27 at the time. She's like, the age you are now is the age I was when I inherited a, you know, 13 year old. Right. She's like, imagine, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and she just didn't know, you know, she wanted 
her house clear, you know, for her kids, and it was just, it was horrible, and it, and it, you know, she didn't, she didn't have the tools, she didn't know, but the fact that she later on in life was like, I'm sorry for my part in our dynamic, and you know, I just, it was a lot, I didn't know what to do with it, I, I think that it's, it's hard, being a step-parent, you know, once you grow up, you can really see it from, and the other perspective, and our other friends, Andy, you weren't, I don't think you were, were you there when we were talking with Eric and Cynthia? You were, right? At your house. Yeah. And so our friends, right, we've got um, this couple, and uh, one of our friends, Cynthia, she's got uh, this guy they've been dating for years, and she was talking about how she feels like he doesn't have a ton of patience for her son. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well... You know, I feel like if if it, he was Eric's son, and I I knowing that the parenting differences that I have with Heidi, yeah, and I was like, Eric, if if Lyric was your biological son, how would you feel? He's like, I would be stricter than I because he doesn't feel yeah, like he can step in. That. Yeah, he's like, I would that. be stricter. Like, and I was like, sweetie, this isn't because he doesn't love Lyric. I'm like, this is because he doesn't feel he can he can step in, and I could see that like you know, just totally different. Eric's French, the culture is totally different, yeah. and. He, it's like being a step parent is such a tough job. I just think you don't know like how much liberty you have, and you're yes. just. But yet it's it's your home, and the fact that she cares and wants to step in, I just say bravo. Yeah, bravo. Right, that because with that, then you'll use tools. But I think it's got to be informative without it being kind of hokey. But I mean, really, at the end of the day, who's going to argue with how junky some of that food is? Who's going to argue with that? I mean, I guess it's got to be strategy, too. But It is. I mean, it does. Yeah. If it's someone gave me it. information and was like, X, Y, Z is bad, and here's what we know, I'd, I'd be like, boo, thanks for telling me. But you got to kind of be mature about it. But it's, sometimes it's lazy, too. It's easy, la- lazy, and it's cheap. Yep. So sometimes you got to confront. No one's going to want to be confronted about that. So you might have to go the, we love our kids. Can we agree that we're going to limit this? And this is why. Yeah. And it, like another thing I think it's like I kind of whenever I approach a change or something in the household, I've learned my lesson not to say like, you know, you this, that or the I, other. And I'll be like, maybe we should try this, yeah. you know, like as a team. It's approach. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. Like maybe we, you know, maybe we should try this. And it, it seems to it seems to go no matter what, whether you're step parent or not, you know, even if you're asking because like. One of the things Heidi hates the most about me is when I tell her how to parent. She's like, don't tell me. I'm not a child. Don't tell me how to parent sure. my kid. And it's been, it's like, I'm not a step parent. These are my kids. You yeah. know, I mean, like, granted, I didn't biologically have them, but I've been there ever since they've so been alive. The I'm a parent. It's not like no. I stepped into a situation. There's no other parent. parent. They're mine. And it's just as hard. I mean, I get that a step parent has a unique situation because they're feeling like I don't have the authority to assert myself. Mm-hmm. But even still, it's like Heidi will tell me, like, you don't have the authority to tell me how to parent. And she's not wrong. And by the way, you know, I don't she, she takes it a certain way. And it, from me, she doesn't appreciate it. When, when she says things to me like, babe, why don't you try? Like, it doesn't bother me as much for some reason as it does with her. It really bothers her when I do that. And it may be the tone that I'm taking. It might be the way that I say it, because we all know how diplomatic and soft Heidi is. 
And the yeah. way she says it to me is like, honey, <laughs> you know, maybe if you asked him, you know, if he needed a hug or maybe if you first went to this place instead of that place. And it's like a suggestion instead of you're really a crappy mom when you do this. Yes. You know, and it it makes me go, oh, really? I go, oh, let me try that instead yeah. of accusatory, like you're an abusive parent, you're yeah. a crappy parent. Yeah. Either way, I think makes a big difference. I, I agree. I mean, when you take the we and team approach to any sentence, it makes the person feel like, hey, we're this unified front. Yeah. What do we think of this? Do you, do you, you know, what do you think? And then at least the person feels validated as a team member. The minute you accuse, man, it goes AWOL. And I've been caught in that situation, too, and you just never, you can never do it. You can never point a finger and never give a judgment. It's brutal. And as a step-parent, I do think, and Andy, you, you can kind of comment to this, but I do think you kind of got to earn your chops. I think you got to get yeah. in there and let, the, let them know that you're staying. You yeah. know, yeah. you're not this, you're not, you're not fly by and that you're invested. And then yeah. I think once you're like, look, I'm in this and I care. Then I really do think it gives you a leg to stand on here. You're in it. Yeah. You it care. Does. You're I in the game. For us, I agree, Joe. It took about a year and it was like, it was just gradiated. One thing over the other, one thing over the other. And then after everything slipped in and then just became solid, then even the kid changed too because everything just kind of becomes familial and, you know, you become authority and it, it's just different. But you're, you're right in the beginning. No one can say, you know, I'm the new sheriff in town doing the Mexican standoff in the kitchen. You just can't do it. Yeah, you know? no. Spatula no. in hand. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Schmander. You've been very helpful. Well, thank you, as have you. <laughs> Onward. <laughs> All right, Mom, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye I love Andy. you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. That's the end of our show. Bye-bye. like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleichinger 
slicing dude i've been friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer just go to youtube.com slash wait for it comedy there's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and i love you